Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we continue our study of the second book of Kings, that is Malachim Bet, with chapter 21. We are rapidly hurtling towards the end of this book and the history which is leading up to the end of the kingdom of Judah. And we had just read of the tragic end of the kingdom uh, and the leadership of Chizkiyahu Hezekiah who had a chance to be the one who saved Judah, who, who, who um, saved Judah forever. But unfortunately, we're going to find today that, and as we saw last time, that Chizkiyahu ended in a tragic way due to his, in, his, his selfishness, his arrogance. He was unable to fully fulfill the role which he was set up for, which he almost achieved, bringing about full salvation. His son, unfortunately, seemed to have inherited only the bad aspects of his character. Notably, where we're about to read about the reign of Menashe, we see Judah, Judah being thrown back into the depravity of, of idol worship and all of the moral failures and awful oppression and violence that results therein. Uh, we see that despite the fact that Yehuda kept on showing hope, you know, every once in a while there was a king that would arise who would be for real, a king who would, who would arise who would be a hope, a king that would arise who would say, well, maybe, maybe we could make it. Maybe we can fulfill God's dream, the dream uh, predicted by the prophets, a, a dream of redemption, the dream of bringing justice and righteousness and trumpeting that message throughout the world. However, they keep falling back into the same trap, the same trap that begins with idol worship and ends with awful horror and awful moral failure. Uh, interestingly, as I wanted to point out that the career of Menashe reads very differently here in the Book of Kings than in the Book of Chronicles. Uh, but since we're studying the Book of Kings, the Book of Kings presents it as all bad. The Book of Chronicles presents Menashe at the end of his life as having turned around, as having done some form of repentance. But it was, of course, too little too late after the terrible damage she had caused. So here we are. The people are worshiping God at the temple. The people have been led by Chizkiyahu to a renaissance in, in Torah study. And, and as we see in various places, we see from the, in the book of Mishle, we see how they were working on the wisdom of Solomon. We see how uh, uh, the you know the corrupt... Uh, leadership had had been subdued and people were on the right path. But as soon as Chizkiyahu is gone and his son Menashe takes over, he flips everything directly into the wrong direction. Ben Menashe became the king at age 12. And he ruled for 55 years. This was a point in time in the concurrent history where the Assyrian Empire was starting to falter the Babylonian Empire was starting to gain. And the main fights were between Babylon and Assyria, leaving us somewhat of a vacuum for these smaller outlying kingdoms like Judah to thrive uh, without the threat of attack from those other nations. Eventually, Babylon would conquer Assyria, and then Babylon would start turning its attention to expanding its empire, and eventually would come to, to uh, try to subdue and eventually overtake Judah completely. But that's, uh, that's a little bit into the future at this point. But at this point, Menashe has free reign without any major uh, uh, 
you know, empires uh, ruling over him. So he ruled for 55 years, V'shem Mimo Cheftziva, and his mother's name was Cheftziva. Interesting name, meaning my desire is in her. Uh, it's a little bit crude sounding, the name, um, but this would have been, uh, that, that was her name. And he did evil, he did bad in the eyes of God. Bad in such a way that like the abominations of the nations, those nations that God had dispossessed, had thrown out of the land of Israel in, before the people of Israel. And if you remember from the rhetoric, from the talk, from the book of Deuteronomy mostly, but we've had it several times in the books of the prophets, that the whole point of the dispossession of those nations and the and and the establishment of the people of Israel within the land of Israel was in order to demonstrate that this type of worship, this type of life is abhorrent to God. The type that leads to oppression of the poor, the type that leads to ch- things such as awful as human sacrifice, the necromancy and the magical ideas of, of, of trying to manipulate the gods and the arrogance that comes along with that. We've spoken about that numerous times over and over again. Whereas a, worship, a monotheist says and worships and understands that the world was created for, for us to act in a certain moral and ethical way. God created the world with a purpose. There's, there's one God. The world has a unity of purpose. All of us are children of the same God. We all are, in, 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 are, are called upon to act with tzedek uh, umishbat, justice and righteousness. We all are called upon to bring this message and teach this message to the entire world. And, and things such as uh, you know, manipulating God through magic and sorcery makes no sense. Well, the only way to, quote, manipulate God, so to speak, in order to achieve a better outcome is to be better, to act better, to do better, to live according to the laws which God gave us in the Torah. <coughs> this is the, the <coughs> contribution of ethical monotheism which um, Benashe was right now turning completely upside down. So Vayashavi went back by even at Habamot, and those altars that were scattered throughout the land that his father had destroyed and removed, his father Chizkiyahu was the first one who finally did that. Those Bamot represent the idea that God is to be worshipped through sacrifice, God is to be worshipped through giving him uh, you know, animals and sacrifices which he doesn't need, which he doesn't want rather than just coming to the singular singular place of the temple, Asher Ibar that his father, Chizkiyahu, had destroyed. And he established and built uh, altars to Baal, with the old Canaanite god who we hadn't heard of in a while. I remember the Ahaz, the father of Chizkiyahu, who had turned his attention to the gods of the Assyrians because he wanted a kowtow to the Assyrian Empire. But now Menashe, when he has free reign to do anything, instead of of, of going to his own traditions, his own uh, Jewish traditions, and 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 talking about and worshiping the one and only God, he went back backwards in time to the primitive gods of the Canaanites that had preceded the people of Israel, the people of Judah in this land. Vayas Asherah, and he built an Asherah. <coughs> Kasher also Achav Melchisrael in the same way that Ahab, the king of Israel, did way back when, before the destruction <coughs> of the northern kingdom, <coughs> which eventually led to the destruction of the northern kingdom. And he bowed to all the, the, the hosts of the heavens. He bowed to the sun and the moon and the stars. And he worshipped them. And he ended up building altars within the temple of God. That temple within which God said, this is the only place where I'm going to place my 
my name. I'm, this is where you come to worship. In, in that place itself, he went and built altars. I just want to make, make a point here. The Mizbuchos, the altar, the one and only altar, according to Maimonides and many other Jewish thinkers who I've been quoting throughout these podcasts, understand that the elimination of the altars that were spread around and the idea that only in one place do we come to worship God, that idea, that concept <coughs> is... Is, is, is a process of weaning people from the idea that one worships God through sacrifices and bringing them to understand that one worships God through coming together, through, through building a, a bond and a relationship with God and with one another, that, that, that God doesn't want us, to, if he wanted sacrifices, then as we said several chapters ago, as Rav Shakeh of the Assyrian Empire would say, then God should want sacrifices all over the place. But that's not what he wants. What he wants is our behavior, right? The, the, build, the building of the temple was a process of saying, no, only here could you bring sacrifices. The people still had that need and, and feeling that they needed to worship through sacrifice because that's all they knew, that's all they understood. However, the ultimate goal was to bring them together to that one place in order to be able to teach this one principle, this principle of monotheism, which leads one to the idea of ethical monotheism. Um, but he, Menashe, did the opposite. He built altars to all of the hosts of the heavens. In the two chatzros, in the two um, courtyards of the house of God, those two courtyards presumably referring to the Ezrat Kohanim, right? The location where, <coughs> uh, you know, the holier area. Um, and the outer area, the holier area, meaning within the, the holier part of the temple itself, meaning where the the Mizbech HaKetoret, the altar of the incense and the menorah and the Shulchan were standing, um, well, the, 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 the table of the showbread, and outside in the Ezrat Yisrael where the Mizbech HaNechoshet, um, uh, uh, the large altar on which the animals were generally brought, uh, in both of those places he placed... Um, these these altars, and he went so far as to sacrificing his own son in the fire, and he practiced all these magical practices of soothsaying and and divination and 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 necromancy and and the consultation of spirits and who knows what and so on. Here, he did terrible things in the art of God in order, and, and could be translated in order to make God angry. In other words, he had this anger towards God. It could also be understood as in ways which made God angry, which would be a little bit easier to understand and would read better. But it could also mean that he did it for the purpose of making God angry. He was angry at God. Why? We don't know. We don't know why Menashe inherited only the bad parts of his father's personality and not the good parts. We don't know why. Um, it's not clear. It's not understood. One can try to imagine psychologically how he developed this way, but the bottom line is that he did. And the, the image of the Asherah goddess, right, which is some kind of image of a tree, right, that he made, he placed it by it. Within the house, Asher Amar Adonai El David Shlomo Bano. Within the house that God had instructed King David and Solomon his son, Babayit Hazeb, within this house, Uvi Yerushalayim, and in Jerusalem, Asher Bacharti, that I have chosen, Mikol Shiftei Yisrael, from all the tribes of Israel, I have chosen Jerusalem, chosen Jerusalem, Asim Eshmi Lolam, that I will place my name forever within that house itself. <coughs> he placed 
this Asherah image. And God made that promise then that no longer am I going to make the, the feet of the people of Israel wander from the land some people that had wandered from Egypt through the desert from place to place until they finally reached here. No longer will I have them wander rock However, only if they are careful to do the things that I have commanded them. This is the crux, the basis of ethical monotheism. What do I want? I want their behavior, right? And I want them to live according to the teachings that my servant Moshe and Moses have taught them. This is what I want. If they do that, I will stay here and the people will stay here. However, despite those instructions and despite those promises, the people did not listen. And, and Menashe led them on the erroneous path to do terrible evil. Even more evil than the nations. They were worse even than those nations that God had destroyed in order to bring the people of Israel into the land. And God spoke in to uh, uh, his his servants, the Neviim, the prophets, <coughs> um, as follows. Uh, now, the the we don't know exactly of the death of Yeshayahu, the death of Isaiah. However, traditionally we know uh, it is understood that Menashe put Isaiah to death. Because, of course, Isaiah was a threat to him in his idolatrous path. Um, so the tradition has it dated that the um, prophets of the, the, of the 12 prophets, the minor prophets, which we, we did study together on this podcast a couple years back, Joel, Nahum, and Chavakuk were the three prophets who were prophesying at this time, during the time of Menashe, and they would have been the ones who had received this, them and their school. That because Menashe, the king of Judah, has done these terrible, abominable things, he has done even worse than the Amorites, that preceded the people of Israel in this land. And he led the people of Judah as well to, into sin through his gilulim, which is often translated as his fetishes, his gilulim are the little idols that people have to use, to, to pray to, to worship and so on. He led the people astray through these things. Therefore, verse 12, So says God, the Lord of Israel, I'm going to bring evil upon the city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah. That the evil, the suffering that's going to happen to this people is going to be so bad that people that even hear the news, their ears will shake. That measuring stick which I measured out the people of Samaria, right? That kav, which is a, a measuring tape, like a, a measuring line. In other words, when I measured out Shomron and I decided to punish them, I'm going to take that same measuring line and roll it over and spread it out over Jerusalem. And, and take judgment on them too. And the scales or the weights that I used to weigh out the justice 
and therefore meted out against the house of Ahab and destroyed the northern kingdom, I'm going to do the same thing to Jerusalem. I will erase Jerusalem. Jerusalem in the same way somebody after a plate of food is dirty they wash it clean and turn it upside down to dry I'm going to do the same thing to Jerusalem I'm going to clean it out and turn it over to dry it's just painful to read these words and the remnant of my inheritance the remnant of my people I'm going to give them into the hands of their enemies and their enemies are going to abuse them and, and, and plunder them this is a, a prediction of the, of the terrible um, uh, exile and, and diaspora that the Jews will suffer after Ju- they are expelled from Judah. Yeah, and, and why is this? Because Asher Asu Asarabe'enai, they did evil in my eyes. Vayu machisimosi, and they made me angry. Min hayom, Asher Yatsu Avosim, this is a continuous process. No matter how many times things seem to might be getting better, they continuously fall into this repetitive sin. And it, it's so bad, and 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 you're, you're reading and thinking how, how awful this, this curse is, this prophecy is that God is giving his, 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 his prophets. But, but the, the verses emphasize again just how bad and how awful Manasseh is. Don't think that it's just a theological mistake, which is bad enough, of worshiping idols. But, but what does it lead to? It led already, we talked about the these child sacrifice. The gamdam naki, this, this oppression leads to also the killing of innocent people. Many innocent people, when there's oppression, when people don't understand that the world was created in order for us to live a moral and ethical life, and they think that, that the gods need to be appeased and might and power is what rules, oppression is what ensues. The Jerusalem from one side to the other side was completely full of blood. That's how bad it was. Levad mechataso. This is in in addition to the sin asher hachatiyat Yehuda that he made Judah sin la to do evil. It's like saying, in other words, the it wasn't just a hechatiyachataso, meaning that his leading them in the wrong direction in worship of idols, but it was more than that. It was his oppression of human beings, his oppression of innocent people, killing innocent people, making innocent people suffer. This was the nail in the coffin, so to speak, or the straw that broke the camel's back. If it was just a theological sin, it would have been bad, but it wouldn't necessarily have been enough. But when it, when, if you're going to start killing innocent people, that is going to lead to destruction, and that's going to lead to God's wrath. And all of the other things about the, that Menashe did as king, the sins that he did, if you want to read about them, go ahead and feel free to read the Chronicles, the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah. And he was buried in his palace in the garden of his palace in Gan Uza, Vayimloch Amon Beno Tachtav, and Amon, his son, took uh, rule over him. For whatever reason, it, 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 uh, Menashe was not buried together with the, um, the, uh, the, the kings of, of Judah as, as before 
whether that was on his own thing, it's, it's not re- related here. Now, the fact that Menashe had a change of heart at the end of his life and um, his, his repentance and how that came about and so on, that, as I said, is not mentioned here in the Book of Kings. It's only mentioned in the Book of Chronicles and in our tradition throughout Chazal. It's discussed. But uh, because we're learning the Book of Kings, I wanted to present Menashe as he is presented here as all evil. I mean, all agree that Menashe's career was extremely evil and brought the people to the depths of depravity. However, um, uh, the small possible saving, uh, <coughs> saving grace, so to speak, at the end of his life is discussed in other places. Uh, this is it's painful to read, but it's what we have to read. It's what we're studying. Thank you so much for studying this together. Looking forward to completing the chapter 21 and reading about the career of Menashe's son, Amon, um, together uh, in the next podcast. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.